0: are now tuned in to the
1: Storm Tracker podcast.
0: All right, Storm Tracker podcast here. I'm Marcus Benjamin, chilling with my guy Frank Tucker, representing the Crib South Florida. We represent KeynesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to KeynesCounty.com for free. Use the promo code Miami30. Also subscribe to this podcast on all platforms as well as this YouTube channel. Live from Canes County, Miami goes on the road this week, Frank, to take on the Temple Owls, and should be an interesting one because it is their first first uh, road game of uh, the year, and Miami has has got this focus going into every game, kind of a one and zero type of deal um so i do feel like this team is will will not suffer a let a letdown against temple but i really wanted to talk about tyler van dyke man tyler van dyke has really been tearing it up the nation is starting to really realize it he was the number one rated power five quarterback according to pro football focus and his passer rating among uh, attempts of over 75 is among the top five in the nation. I think it's time to start this this Heisman hype train uh, for Tyler Van Dyke, but not a really a lot of talk about it just yet. What do you think is his chances at this point to win Heisman?
1: Yeah, I think, listen, we got to get through this five game stretch where it's two pretty easy games for him. I think he's going to put up huge numbers against Temple. I think he's going to put up huge numbers against Georgia tech. It's going to be the challenges of going against North Carolina, Florida state Clemson. That's going to kind of prove where he's at in that Heisman race. Truly. Uh, We know he has the talent. He's been amongst the top quarterbacks in the country before as of two years ago, but I feel like we got to see more. I I don't know if we can jump into the Heisman conversation just yet. You do have the returning Heisman Trophy winner coming back. We know what Drake May can do. Uh, Shador Sanders obviously doing really big things in Colorado. Uh, You got a number of quarterbacks putting up really big numbers. I know according to Pro Football Focus, he's been doing a really good job, and we love what we're seeing from him, especially in that Texas A&M game where he lit it up against the Aggies. But I, I still feel like, We've done this before with guys like Brad Kaya. We, we've done this before with Ja'Cory Harris, where there's always something, right? We, we kind of believe the hype, and then there's kind of a hitch in the wagon, right? Like, we, we see that that hiccup moment. I, I, I want us to get through that middle of the schedule that's kind of tough, and then we can really start talking about TBD and that Heisman conversation.
0: Yeah, I, I really think that he should start to get some consideration probably after this week and, and then you know uh the bye week you have a chance for for the nation to really kind of you know I guess uh you know do their thing do their thing while Miami's on a bye. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then they got Georgia Tech, but I think the real test is going to be against obviously when they travel to Chapel Hill. And take on drake may in north carolina who's also a heisman candidate i think if he outplays drake may i think that's when the hype churn really starts to move here um but you know us down here in south florida of course we're, we're watching him very closely we see the talent we see the potential of him just continuing to just to put up numbers in this offense i mean he put up these type of numbers with with Rhett Lashley in 2021, and that wasn't even a full season. Now this is a, a full season from game one to hopefully the, the last game of the season. I think once he accumulates all of those stats and wins, I think it's, it's really going to show the nation just how good he really is. And he's also going to have a game against – Jordan Travis as well, who's also considered a Heisman candidate as well, head-to-head against FSU in Tallahassee. Those are the two showcase games for TBD to really show what he and this offense can do. What are, you th- what are your thoughts on him possibly outshining those two later in the season?
1: It's going to be tough with Drake May because I think Drake May, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the country – that includes Caleb Williams. That includes Jordan Travis. I'm not as high on Jordan Travis. I, I think that he's kind of one of those guys that took advantage of a good situation, a lot of transfer talent around him, and honestly got lucky in a few games last year. That really could have been a 7-5 and five team heading into the bowl game uh, season last year for Florida State. And he hasn't exactly like lit it up other than that LSU. Like, last weekend's Boston College, he wasn't great it was and that's a team that is not good boston college is one of the worst teams in all of power five this season and they probably should have lost that game if boston college doesn't mess things up at the end so i i, I do not doubt the ability of tyler van dyke to be able to outplay either guy um drake may has had his moments where he turns the ball over a lot and obviously this offense is something that fits tyler van dyke to a T. the relationship between him and Shannon dawson is better than he's had with any coach. And I think that includes Brett Lashley. Uh, overall, I, I just, I love what Tyler Van Dyke's doing. I think it's going to be a challenge in Chapel Hill in a, in a probably a crazy environment between two top 25 teams um, against Drake May. And I think against Florida State, it's a rivalry game. So you can kind of throw rankings out the window as well as records. And it's just going to be a matter of who can be tougher. And I do think that, tyler van dyke has the capability to really outplay jordan travis because i'm not that confident in him i i don't i think like we're we don't really look at jordan travis for what the collective resume is he was a backup at louisville right he was he was a south florida quarterback that wasn't highly recruited came to florida state as more of a walk-on like project type guy and he's done well but He's not this all-world talent everybody makes him out to be. And I really do like Tyler Van Dyke over Jordan Travis. So I think that there's a good chance that Tyler Van Dyke could could have two spectacular games and outplay two Heisman candidates. I think the real challenge is Chapel Hill, though.
0: Yeah, in my opinion, I think he's actually better than, uh, you know, as a passer than, a Jordan Travis, and a Drake May, to, to be honest. I think he's just a better passer than, than May at this point, in my opinion. Uh, now, May may be or is a better all-around quarterback. I think he's more of a dual threat, and I think he's more of a threat to a defense with his legs and his arm. The combination is deadly. I think the, the two other Heisman candidates that you have to be weary of in this race if you really if you want to put some money on on tyler van dyke is Caleb williams and shadur sanders um i mean what shadur sanders did against colorado state in that last drive in an overtime that's heisman stuff right there so uh there's got to be a, a heisman moment you know so to speak for tyler van dyke for him to really have a shot and then of course Caleb williams he, he already has a heisman trophy in his case already. So um, he's always going to be a candidate unless he has a really big flop. So something to really look for as this season goes on. And the fact that he, and um, you know, this, this week against temple, if he continues to put up big numbers against a defense, that's, you know, not, not very good or not the best uh, in in any respect. Um, Speaking of this game, it's a little similar to that Miami of Ohio game or, or, or Miami of Ohio opponent. And I think Miami should be able to run the ball against the, against temple and Miami ran for 250 yards against Miami of Ohio. And Javion Cohen said something that was really interesting this week. He said basically that the, you know, when you go on the road, you, you pack your running game. Um, you, you don't leave home with that um, to, you know, s- something to that respect. And my question to you, Frank, is that since they did put up 250 yards against Miami, Ohio, and by the way, Miami of Ohio t- took out a, a Cincinnati team last week. Now, albeit that is a rival uh, between those two schools, uh, and it's the first, first victory, I think, for Miami, Ohio in several years against the Bearcats but a win nonetheless. So it makes Miami's win, opening win, look that much better. But when it comes to the running game, Frank, do you think Miami rushes for 250 again?
1: I don't know about 250, but with Mark Fletcher getting healthy again, I do think that it helps the cause. I know we didn't see a crazy effort against Texas A&M on the ground, but I do think that we saw some production with Henry Parrish especially. They were efficient, maybe not spectacular, but efficient against Texas A&M, despite putting up almost 400 yards in the air. So I think the potential is there, uh, especially if they don't want to show too much um, in in what is an exotic passing attack for Miami. I think that we're going to see a heavy dose of Henry Parrish. Don Chaney looks very good through the first three games. We saw a little bit of Chris Johnson last week against Bethune-Cookman. So if they wanted to use him as a speed option, maybe a reverse guy, that could probably help out that run game as well. And if you got Mark Fletcher healthy, who I really think is the best run run threat in this offense, as a true freshman, we spoke about this in the offseason, that I thought he was going to lead this team in rushing uh, and had the potential to be a 1,000-yard guy if he got the touches that he needed to. It, this offense, This offense behind this offensive line, could put up huge numbers on the ground against the temple team that is not nearly as talented. And I do think that Miami has a little bit of want to in this game, right? They paid they a buyout for Manny Diaz and we saw how that worked out. So, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, we got to get our licks in a little bit on this team because they, they kind of got it from us, uh, you know, a few years ago. So I, I, I love that Miami's going to kind of put it on them. JV Cohen is obviously hinting at that in the press conferences with his comments. So, A.J. Allen, Henry Parrish, Mark Fletcher, Chris Johnson, Don Chaney. If you have five guys that can run the ball, if everybody kind of does what they need to on the limited carries that they probably get, I I love the fact that they could run for 200 yards.
0: Definitely is a possibility. Uh, A lot of interesting connections between Temple and Miami. Of course, you know, Al Golden. Uh, before you know, he came over to Miami. Was at Temple, so uh, that's kind of how he earned the job at Miami. You already mentioned Manny Diaz as well, and there's a couple of former Hurricanes as well on the team. Including Allen High, who who was a defensive tackle out of and who's over there at Temple now, and Camden Price, who was part of the special teams unit, uh, is is over there at Temple as well, and. And then um, I believe Richard Dan is 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 over there as well. He's a highly talented receiver, out um, of Homestead, committed to Temple as well. So a lot of interesting connections when it comes to um, Miami and Temple. Uh, lastly, on this game though, is 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 the points that Miami will give up defensively. Now, I think, like I said, I think this is very similar to this Miami of Ohio game, and it's uh, Miami held, you know, Miami of Ohio to just a field goal. Do you think Temple has it in them to score more than 10 points on the Hurricanes, the last power five team that they played in Rutgers only scored seven?
1: Yeah, I, I think that they probably hit the 10-point mark just because there's some injuries on that Miami defense right now. Uh, you know, Akeem Mesador probably doesn't play in this game. Obviously, you're losing a couple of guys in that defensive line. Uh, Branson Dean might not play. So, it I, I don't know. I, I think that they could just because when the backups are in, anything can happen. Uh, this is probably their Super Bowl for the season, so they're going to probably play all the way through. So I wouldn't put any money on them not hitting that ten-digit, ten-point mark. But you can't put anything past uh, Lance Gidry because he has done an excellent job as defense coordinator for Miami thus far. He has stifled pretty much everybody they played. I mean, even Texas A&M turnover after turnover. Uh, they they really weren't efficient compared to the rest of the teams that they have played. And honestly, this defense is playing fast. It's playing physical. And it's playing sound. You're seeing guys tackle well, especially guys like James Williams, who are really playing the best football we've seen them play at the University of Miami. Wesley Besaint playing out of his mind. Francisco Malanoa doing a really good job as a transfer from Washington State. Overall, all three levels of this defense look strong so far. Um, so if they, they'd get another shutout, I wouldn't be surprised. But with the way that this game is going to go, where I think Miami gets up big early, Uh, I, there's always that potential for some garbage time points, uh, by Temple.
0: We will see how it plays out. Uh, you know, of course you'll get our predictions later in the week, as well as our, uh, game preview as well. So much more on canescounty.com. Make sure you, uh, visit the website for more information on that. Um, but I did talk about some transfers that went to Temple and, You know, transfer talk has kind of started up again, Frank, and, uh, you know, some players that Miami, quote unquote, I guess you could say missed on or didn't get that were interested in not getting playing time. A lot of freshmen here are getting playing time. That's been kind of a topic of conversation, Um, but there's potential for some hometown guys to potentially return to Miami. What are you hearing there?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're hearing a lot of smoke about Brandon Ennis at Ohio State, right? Obviously, it's all speculation as of now because nobody can enter the transfer portal in midseason except for the Michigan State kids where I do think Miami is going to be pretty busy there. Um, I, like, listen, if Brandon Ennis decided to come home, I would not be surprised to see him in a Miami Hurricanes uniform. If, From what I'm hearing from people, this would be a Florida State-Miami battle if it did come to that. Um, I have heard that there is frustration. He hasn't seen any playing time in the first few games, and that includes playing against teams like Western Kentucky and Youngstown State. So Cardinal Tate's been playing, no Brandon Innes. Another guy in that Ohio State program that could be intriguing and had some Miami interest for his defensive back, Cedric Hawkins, who played at Coco. Um, So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Miami kick the tires on those two guys. Another interesting name for everybody to keep track of, right? Miami has a quarterback in this class in Judd Anderson, and I think that they like Judd Anderson, right? I think that Emory Williams is another guy that this staff is really high on. but we haven't seen any of those guys in big time situations, even in high school. but somebody that we have seen big time, in big time situations is Kiwan Lights out Jenkins, who is three and0 at FIU right now. and I think that by the time the season ends, if FIU is a full eligible team with a roster that they have, seeing that as it was completely depleted from the transfer portal this offseason, I would not be surprised to see him being recruited by Power Five Schools. And that would probably include Miami because he has proven to be a winner on the high school level as a 15-0 quarterback, claiming a share of the national championship at Miami Central. And also on top of that, he's come to FIU and lit it up so far through three games. both as a runner and a passer. If you go look at their first game, their quarterback threw for four yards on five completions. That was an incumbent starter who had them like bowl eligible last year. So he has completely outplayed a veteran quarterback at that level. That is one of the better quarterbacks in the FCS FBS ranks uh, in the group of five ranks. My apologies. Um, and, And he's shown that he can play on this college level. So I would not be surprised to see him being one of those guys that, maybe Miami dips into if he does enter the transfer portal at the end of the year
0: interesting stuff there I mean Brandon Ennis yeah I can see that happening lights out that seems like a bit of a stretch I, I'm not gonna lie to you bro I mean I love lights out I love the kid as just a kid generally and I love him as a player you and I were a advocating for him to gain at least a third star for probably our entire time here at rivals and not probably our entire time here at rivals we've been advocating and banging on the table for another star for kiwan jenkins that never happened so the fact that he is playing falling like a dog over there in at uh, FIU is not surprising. It's not surprising at all. Uh, just like last year, it wasn't surprising that, that Zion Turner was doing his thing at UConn because, you know, these are guys that were are doing at a very high level at big time programs and winning state championships. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do in the state of Florida, despite, you know, the, the level of talent that you have on your, on your football team. I mean, this guy beat IMG last year, you know, with, you know, not big sized receivers, you know, maybe big time receivers, (laughs) but they weren't big as in stature, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised, but I am surprised that Miami would be possibly interested in, in him. That part, little,
1: little surprised to kind of hear that from you. Nothing official, nothing official, right? But I just, I would not be surprised to see Miami kick the tires if he did enter the transfer portal at the end of the year, right? I, I think that you're going to see a number of power five schools because at the end of his process, there were schools that were reaching out outside of just Auburn, right? So listen, it, it's something that obviously the rest of the season has to play out. If FIU doesn't win another game, that probably squashes the, you know, the, the magic of what is the potential of that. But if he goes and wins six or seven games at FIU with the depleted roster, he makes things really intriguing. We've seen it before with guys like Michael Pratt, where they have commanded a ton of interest you know, in the transfer world. People are trying to push him into the transfer portal, not him looking at the opportunity. There's people that want him to enter the transfer portal in the Power 5 ranks and are offering major money in NIL to do just that. So I think he kind of fits that mold of a Michael Pratt as more of a group of five quarterback that was really good on the high school level, especially in South Florida, some dual threat ability, commands the locker room, and just has that ability to bring a team together because we're seeing what he's doing at at FIU on a smaller scale, right, where you're seeing the team just rally around him. He's become the face of that team in a three-game stretch as a true freshman, so Um, I I would love the idea of Miami just kind of maybe having a conversation there. You got to remember his former head coach is on that staff and Roland Smith. You got Sabbath Joseph on staff as well. Um, So you're going to have some people in the building probably advocating for him uh, to, you know, to be an option. Uh, Another guy I would love to see at Miami just because I don't think that their head coach is going to be there uh, by the end of the season is uh, Shamar Stewart at Texas A&M. Not saying anything's happening there, but. Wouldn't it be nice to see kind of a reunion there after what was after everything ugly happened in his recruiting process? Because I think that Texas A&M is going to be a team at the end of the year where there is going to be a grab bag by pretty much every big team in college football at the five-star talent that is there in that program. And names like him, Evan Stewart, right, are going to be really intriguing. And are going to be players that Miami is probably going to have interest in because Jamar Stewart is six foot six, 275, 280-pound freak of nature. If you could get him with Jason Taylor, what is the potential, there, right? If you could get an Evan Stewart with a Kevin Beard to replace potentially a Colby Young on the outside if he goes to the NFL draft, that makes things really interesting for me. So these are just kind of speculative names that I'm throwing out there, but I would love a return home for a lot of guys. I think that there's a lot of options out there for Miami um, based on guys that they miss. Kenyatta Jackson is another name that you and I mentioned before the show, who at Ohio, Ohio State has not seen a lot of playing time but was shining in the spring. There's just a ton of talent there in Jack Sawyer and JT uh, Toomolu, Um They got a lot of talent at that defensive end spot, and I think he would be a guy that if he wanted to return home, you grab the guys that were the two best, pass rush, two best pass rush prospects in the 2022 class out of South Florida, bring them back home, and you combine that with like Nigel Lee Kelly and whatever, you know, the Marquise Lightfoot's of the world and the Elias Rudolph's of the world, and obviously the wealth of talent that they have on the interior of the defensive line. I think that the transfer portal is going to be really kind to Miami at the end of the cycle.
0: transfer portal was very kind to Miami this cycle with, you know, players like Jaden Davis, Francisco Malgoa, who are arguably your two, your two best defenders um, at their respective positions. Uh, So, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, a lot to be had in, in these next couple of months. And in these next couple of months, we're going into what's called flip season you know, where, you know, players can flip, you know, from either direction, you know, I I mean, there's been a lot of talk about maybe some players flipping from classes and, you know, there's been some visits uh, to happen in these last couple of weeks. I mean, we saw uh, Xavier Mincy and we saw Kobe Howard, actually, uh, a Miami target uh, go to Florida um, and, uh, I think LJ McCray was also in Florida as well. Already has an announcement date in about a month. And Kevin Riley, the Miami commit visited Auburn. Also heard of chance Robinson visiting Ohio state as well. You know, the people are talking, things are buzzing. Frank, uh, tell me, tell me what, you know, what you're hearing about uh, anybody flipping anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, Listen, I, I don't think there's any impending flips right now, right? But I do think that there is smoke in the Chance Robinson situation. Everything I've, Everybody I've talked to around the situation has said that he's solid with Miami, right? Everything is there for Miami uh, with that Purple Machine group, um, NIL opportunities, plus the open nature of this offense under Shannon Dawson. Miami has proven that this is a... This is a fruitful offense for major recruits at the receiver position. And I think that they've already kind of quelled rumors before with the University of Florida, and things are coming back up with Ohio State because Brian Hartline is really trying to get in the picture. I think Brian Hartline sees what's going on with Jeremiah Smith, where Miami is making him just such a priority and starting to make waves there. And, And I think that they're feeling the fire a little bit under themselves where there's potential that they could lose Jeremiah Smith in this 2024 class as arguably the most valuable player in the country, uh, somebody they've had committed since 2022. So I, I I think that if you look at social media, if that's something that you follow, there's a, some red flags there, right? On Instagram, he deleted all his Miami posts, um, and only picture that he had up uh, was his photo shoot at Iowa State last weekend. Uh, that's a that's a red flag for me. There is no signs of a commitment on his Instagram. Um, so could he be trolling a little bit? Right, he did put the thinking emoji on his on his caption. Right, he has shown to be a loyal kid. He stayed through St. Thomas Aquinas despite starting off as a JV player and not really playing as a sophomore, uh, waiting his turn. Um, so I I don't necessarily from everything I know, the family loves the University of Miami. Dad grew up a Hurricanes fan. Um, wanted his son to be home so he could see him for games um, at least six or seven times a year. Um, so I think that he does stay with the class, but I do think that there are some signs there that Ohio State is making making major waves there with Chance Robinson. Uh, and then you obviously spoke about Kevin Riley. Uh, Kevin Riley with Auburn. Miami getting him out of Alabama, especially Tuscaloosa, Tus- Tuscaloosa County was huge right like you, you stole him from alabama and you stole him from auburn where they were getting some momentum with hugh freeze now they've added a number of five-star recruits they got a lot of talent within this 2024 class and it seems like they're kind of making some momentum because he did visit this past weekend i don't think that he flips but i do think that miami's gonna have to put their best foot forward for kevin riley over the rest of this process because I don't think we've seen him on campus for a game thus far. Um, and it, the longer that strings out, the more it's going to be something to talk about. Um, and, and I think that Miami is going to continue to push for him because we, I spoke about it before. He was the number one football player on the board for them. They thought he was the best football player in the country. Not the best running back. They thought he was the best football player in the country, right? There's Alvin Kamara-type potential with Kevin Riley, and he's a guy that could come in even with A.J. Allen and Mark Fletcher and all the talent that they have in that running back room to be an early contributor at the University of Miami, utilized in multiple ways in this air raid op- offense led by Shannon Dawson. So, I, I, you know, I would watch that situation. I do think that they have a really good backup plan in Jordan Lyle, right, because we saw Jordan Lyle at the Texas A&M game, and he was having a really good time. He was around a lot of the kids that he grew up with, like the Chance Robinsons, right? Like the Vincent Shavers. There were a number of recruits that are commits that were in his year for that game. And honestly, I think that Miami made huge dividends by winning that game in front of him with all his teammates there. There were a number of, like, Ryan Ryan Mack. You had O.J. Frederick, Chance Robinson. Like, there's momentum there. Do I think that they're close to a flip with him, much like Auburn is with Kevin Riley. No. But I do think that there's smoke. Um, and if Miami wanted to push, say if they lost to Kevin Riley, I think they got a chance there because he could be used in a similar way as Kevin Riley as a really good receiving back, a guy with outside running ability that could make a difference at Miami very early on.
0: Yeah, flipping the Ohio State commit, Jordan Lyle would be huge uh, regardless. Uh, You already have two capable backs, obviously, Kevin Riley, who's a kid that I absolutely love, and then Chris Wheatley-Humphrey as well is committed to the class. Flipping Jordan Lyle, who is arguably maybe my favorite running back in this class this year, would be huge for the Hurricanes. Still a lot to be you know, decided and, and, and really figured out here. Um, but what has to be said is what Miami's doing just in recruiting regardless, you know, just did this, remember this team was five and seven last year and they are battling for recruits with teams like Ohio state, Georgia, uh, and even Florida state who had 10 wins or, or more uh, last season. So, Miami's still making plenty waves in recruiting, and I would imagine that that, uh, they are targeting more players in possibly the game of the year this week, Frank. Well, actually, before I get to that, I I wanted to ask you about L.J. McRae. L.J. McRae did uh, announce uh, a commitment date in about a month. Um, we did have our guy, John Garcia, speak to him recently. Check that article out on canescounty.com. You have to subscribe to, to, to read that article. But chances of, of Miami landing the monster of a defender in LJ McRae. 50-50. 50-50 right
1: now for me. I think it's Florida-Miami. I don't know if he's made a decision. Um, everything that we've kind of been told, especially I think, you know, John was there in person, was that this isn't a kid that like is basking in the process or anything like that. And from what I heard from people beh- bes- behind the scenes was, right, he visited Georgia, he visited Florida multiple times, right? Why hasn't he committed to those schools yet? Even when there was a ton of momentum with them and not Miami right, like all the signs pointed towards those being better options for him. Uh, Obviously, you know, Gainesville being a little bit closer to home, being a place that he has kind of been tied to throughout the process. Um, And then on top of that, Georgia, who's back-to-back national champions and has produced defensive linemen, you know, time and time again, why wouldn't he – why didn't he pledge to any of those schools, right? What was he waiting for? And for me, I think he was waiting for a chance to – make an argument for Miami. And honestly, I think that Miami has been the school for him that he wants to go to. I think but he just needed a reason to do that. And I do think that the Texas A&M game, that huge win is going to be a huge factor in ultimately what his decision is. Miami's going to have to continue this stretch of winning and obviously it's a month from now for his commitment, but I do think he makes a decision before that decision day. And I, I if you ask me to be a betting man or if I had to choose choose you know a side right now, I'm choosing Miami. I, I think that he wants to go to Miami. I think he likes the idea of being coached up by Joe Salavea and Jason Taylor. I think that there is potential for him to be an early contributor because we've seen what this defensive line looks like rotation wise. There's tons of playing time opportunities. Right, you might not get 40 snaps right away, but you can get a solid 20, 25 very early on in the process. We see what Reuben Bain is doing. He was just the Co-Defensive Player of the Week for Miami in a very versatile role on this defensive line. So I, I think that you know, with the potential of losing guys like Akeem Mesdor, uh, you're going to lose uh, you know a couple of other defensive linemen in this group. And L.J. McCray is a guy that can play inside; he can play outside and fill a number of different spots. And I, I think that he is somebody that this staff is pretty gung-ho on. Um, obviously, you miss on a David Stone, right? You, you missed on a few guys like Justin Scott. And honestly, I think he would be a, the perfect consolation prize to, to, to losing on those guys, right? If you can add a fifth defensive lineman that is a top borderline, top 100 player, right, a guy that has five-star potential – to play a number of different positions, he fits that mold. And I think he's built a really good relationship with his staff. And, yes, Florida is very much deep into this. but And, obviously, he saw that huge win against Tennessee last week. But still, I think he, in his heart, eventually wants to choose Miami. And I think he will do just that.
0: I think what Miami has done is really just complicate things for him. (laughs) You know, I think he may have had his heart set on, on Florida or, or maybe Georgia. uh, And now Miami has now firmly kind of complicated his decision and and made his decision a more crucial one uh, with the potential of Miami being great. And I, I think he wants to, possibly be a part of that now and he doesn't want to miss out on this Miami train possibly going to the college football playoff or maybe a national championship it's something that we will definitely monitor I, I'll tell you what Frank, he's definitely all of 6-6 six, six when I saw him at the game against Texas A&M and I think he fits the mold of, of what this staff really wants you know big fast athletic you know just has that NFL potential type body and and those are the type of bodies that they are trying to bring in so we will of course continue to monitor this on rivals and KeynesCounty.com exclusively within the next month here so now let's get into that 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 game I was talking about Chaminade and Central the potential game of the year in South Florida game of the of the week uh, nationally, as you have two top five teams head to head against each other, with four Miami commits in this game and Zaquan Patterson, Jojo Trader, Vincent Shavers, and Armando Blunt, and as, as, a, as well as a bunch of targets and offered players as well. Based on your rankings previously, uh, I think I know where you're going with this game as far as who who's gonna win it all. Because, you know, Chaminade has been an absolute monster the, the these past couple of weeks. I mean, they they blew the doors off of Northwestern and and Bergen Catholic out of New Jersey, and and then now. Last week, they they took it to American Heritage, which I think that game could have been worse. I think they kind of let their foot off the gas in that second half and let Heritage get back in this game. Uh, But it's still a tough game to pick because it's central. You know, it's sent. It's 95th Street. It's the Rock Boys. You know what I'm saying? It's, It's everything that you that you they embody everything that is dade county football let's just say that as far as you know bringing their hard hat to work playing with that edge and using their talent to just basically overwhelm opponents Shamanad, they are kind of a similar team in that respect but i think they're looking for more of the national respect. I think I think Chaminade really kind of came onto the scene nationally last year. And then now they're really trying to really put their footprint on staying as a national power. And this win, a win against Central would definitely do that for them. Your thoughts, Frank, on this game and just kind of how it turns out, playmakers, matchups, What you got?
1: So for me, if you're a betting guy, I'm putting PK next to this game. There there is no pick. Uh, I don't have a choice. Um, When I eventually get a chance to put my predictions out at some point tonight, um, it will say uh, for the spread PK. Uh, I'm not picking a team. Uh, I think these are just two teams that can take advantage of each other's weaknesses. Um, They all have elite talent on both sides of the football, but for me, the matchups are going to be the homecoming of Joe Sia Trader, Miami commit receiver uh, who was a former star at Miami central as a sophomore. Um, And I also think that this is going to be a game where uh, this defense for, for Miami central is going to have to prove that they are the Miami central defense of old, right? This is going to be our Mondo Blunt's Ruben Bain moment. This is going to be Vincent Shaver's and Ezekiel Marcellin's chance to prove that they're two of the best linebackers in the country going up against an elite run game led by Davion Bullitt-Gowes. Uh,
0: and,
1: and then I think that you're going to see some big-time moments from guys uh, like Sekou Smith, who's a Miami target at safety, um, who's, who's probably going to play some corner in this game, um, as well as Javari Flowers, who's one of the top 2026 20, cornerbacks in the country, 10-6 speed, um, and as well as Amari Wallace, uh, who's another top two hundred kid that Miami is recruiting? And there's such an uh, there's such an abundance of talent uh, that Miami is going after in this game. I think Miami Central has upwards of like ten guys that have been offered. Um, Miami uh, shaman Madonna has Jeremiah Smith. The bullet's been offered, right? You got Josiah Trader, uh, and then a number of other four stars that could be Miami targets down the line as well as well as, like, Denarius Gray, who's a 2026 20, kid Miami's after real hard. Uh, so, listen, I'm watching. How does Josiah Trader do in this game? Because I think he's going to be the ultimate X-Factor for Shaman Donna. This is going to be an emotional game for him. And how is Miami Central going to attack that my, that Shaman Donna defense? And how are they going to stop the, duo, the five-star duo of Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader? Uh, and, and depending on how those results, as well as – quarterback play because we saw kind of a rougher game from Cedric Bailey last week against American Heritage. It wasn't his best showing. It wasn't terrible, right? Like he did have two touchdowns to to Jeremiah Smith very early in that contest, but it wasn't his best game that we've seen in his high school career, especially coming off a 60 point performance against Virgin Catholic a top 20 team in the country. Uh, And then it's another moment for AJ Smith um, for Miami central. Uh, He's a 2024 quarterback who, really hasn't had that chance to get that big win under his belt. Uh, he beat Booker T. Washington, which was solid, but lost uh, to, to Bishop Gorman um, in the final minute of that game in Vegas. So I think he's looking for that national win to kind of solidify himself as an FCS group of five quarterback. Um, and, and depending on who wins that quarterback battle, that could be the deciding factor on who takes this game.
0: What's going on with Beckham Kritzer?
1: Uh, I think he's back in Colorado Uh, from everything I've seen. Yeah, I think he's back in Colorado. This is the J.C. Evans, uh, A.J. Smith show. Uh, You know, I I think, uh, you know, T.A. Cunningham enrolled early at Penn State. um, So, you know, and I think that there was some kind of injury issues there um, where he wanted to just get there early um, and take advantage of there. T.A.
0: Cunningham is no longer on the
1: team? TA Cunningham's no longer on the team. I don't think T.K. Cunningham's there anymore. Beckham Kritza, I don't believe, is there anymore. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so that, unfortunately that didn't work out. But A.J. Smith, the South Florida product, proves once again that South Florida's the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, you know, and it's another guy with a chip on his shoulder that's that's kind of doing the lights out thing, you know, managing this offense with really good accuracy. From it.
0: What about J.C. Evans?
1: You're using him more in a wildcat role. Um, you okay. know, he is making some plays in the air, but they're utilizing him as like a power run quarterback, power wildcat, uh, read option type game. Um, you know they did sure. utilize some option last year uh, with uh, with with lights out and Dylan Tullick. Um and I think that they're going to be utilizing that a little bit here as well. We know that Miami Central has a very versatile offense that does a number of different things. They can go pro style, they can go air raid, they can go spread option. There's so many things that they can do. And this A.J. Smith, J.C. Evans duo, uh, it gives them the capability to do so many things where your defense can't focus on just one thing, right? It, It can't just focus on the Wayne McCoy on the outside. It can't just focus on Khalil Sterling, who's a 2025 receiver, who is going to blow up at some point over the next year. I promise you that is a name to monitor Khalil Sterling. Remember, he's dominated through the first part of this year. Go back and watch his performance against Bishop Borman. I think he had 160 yards receiving, uh, which is huge against a team like that that has the potential to win the national championship in all of high school football. So they got a lot of talent. Ace Coleman is one of the better slot receivers in all of South Florida. as a 2025 kid as well. They got yeah. another Ford brother, uh, who, who is Jaden Ford, who is a 2026 running back, who might be the best of the Ford trio. And, and if you're a South yeah. Florida guy, you know what the Ford family brings to the table. Sure. Um, and then on top of that, King Davis, who transferred over from Miami Northwestern, double-digit offers, uh, has done a really good job. Nicholas McCall, related to Dalvin Cook, wearing number four this year for Miami Central as their power back. Uh, he's got a lot of potential. The Nitro Nitro uh, is one of the fastest uh, fastest football players in the country. We ran a 10-2 this year in the 100-meters um just overall this is a team that has so much talent and i think it's going to be a clash of titans on thursday night in terraspau stadium
0: now i want to ask i mean thank you for that for that rundown of miami central because now i feel like i'm up to speed i mean you know how it is at Traz now. I can't even go see Central like I how I used to. Or I can't see, you know, a lot of teams at, at that stadium or Tropical with everything that's going on with the media. Free the, hashtag free the media, by the way. <laughs> um, the other side of the football, man, is LeWayne McCoy going to be playing some DB here? Or is it going to be just Omari Wallace kind of lined up on – on JJ and JoJo. Tell me about this DB matchup against those two Chaminade receivers.
1: Could we see it? Absolutely. Do I expect it? No. Listen, if you really do look at the Miami Central defense, there's a lot of talent there, right? They they have Javari Flowers who's sitting at around 10 offers. Like I said, 10, 6 speeds, 6 foot, 170 pounds. Uh, he, he's going to be at one of the next great defensive backs at Miami Central. Amari Wallace in the slot is going to do some really big things. They have Vincent Shavers playing more of a strong safety type role in this defense. So he's an addition to the defensive backfield, not really an addition to their linebacker, of course. So he's playing
0: safeties. He's playing safeties. He's playing
1: like a nickel, like a nickel, like an overhang player in that 4-2-5 scheme. Um, And then on top of that, Seku Smith, who's a three-star prospect for us, but could be a guy that makes that rise to the blue chip ranks as a long safety prospect who has really good interception production through less than a year of experience, at defensive back. Um, He's going to be playing a lot of corner. I think he's probably going to be the guy that plays more so against uh, Jojo. uh, And I think that they probably put Javari Flowers on JJ because of the speed aspect of uh, what Jeremiah Smith brings to the table. So I think that they're going to be okay, right? I think they're going to be okay. They have another kid in there whose last name is White. Um, you know, he's a smaller player, but really good. Guy, really good player. Uh, got in JJ's chest in seven on seven at the two-two Outwell seven on seven this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a dog. He was actually voted defensive back of the year at Miami Central last season. So he's another addition to that defensive backfield. So is it as star studded as we would expect it to be at Miami Central? Maybe not, but they got some really good youth in the back end of their defense that I think is trying to prove themselves against a team like, like Shamanam Are they going to do it? I'm not going to sit here and say that anybody can stop. What is five blue chip receivers on one high school team. But I do think that, you know the pressure that they're going to try to bring with Armando Blunt, Randy Adarika, as well as maybe bringing Vincent Shavers off the edges an overhand player in that four-two-five scheme, while blitzing guys like Lamar Smith and Ezekiel Marcellan up the middle from the second level are going to. It's going to change things up. It can can Cedric Bailey show that he can knock off the the Miami Central Rockets because this has been a game we've been talking about for like two years now, and it hasn't happened. And, We know that it's going to be emotional. There's going to be a ton of kids that have played with each other throughout the course of their high school careers that are meeting in this matchup. Uh, So overall, I think it's going to be a good one. It's on ESPN, uh, so it's going to be a primetime game. It's on TV, ESPN too. Um, And and listen, I know that there's not going to be a lot of media there, unfortunately, but uh, there's going to be a ton of fans, and it's probably going to be a sold-out event. If you didn't get your tickets, I'd probably try to go on GoFan right now and try to buy those. Uh, And uh, I think it's going to probably be the – if it's not – this is the closest game to a state championship game. That's in the regular season that you can possibly get. And I'm excited for
0: it. Yeah, I mean, if high school had a national championship, this would be in contention uh, for that as well. One more thing, though. It seems like JoJo and J.J. – are also going to be playing both ways. I'm guessing that they will be because we saw both of them play DB in the last game against Heritage in a game that was pretty much controlled by Shamanaj. So if this game is, is close, anywhere in the balance, I think JJ and JoJo will be lurking at safety. What say you?
1: It's tough because... Kelly Sejour is a a kid in the 2025 class that came over from Miami Central to to Chaminade. He wears number 12. Had a really good game against American Heritage last week, and I think they have a lot of confidence in him. Um, He's probably going to be the guy that Miami Central goes at most of this contest. Um, I I think that Chaminade feels like he's going to do a good job. On the other side, they got Gavin Shepard is a kid that knows. He knows Lane McCoy, right? Like he knows the guys on that side because he played with them as part of that Purple Machine team. And I don't think that they – listen, could I see JoJo in this game? Absolutely. The unfortunate part for JoJo is the last time we saw him at cornerback, he injured that shoulder. I don't necessarily know if Chaminade wants to risk that, especially in a game that might have to go four quarters if you put him at defensive back and he can't play up to full cap- capability because he came back early from a shoulder injury to play in this contest as well as last week. So we'll he see about play, that. He but,
0: played safety, though, last week for, for – He He did.
1: He did. He did. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen. Um, but listen, you know, it, it, it's one of those games where you got to pull out all the stops. There has been some social media talk uh, across the South Florida airwaves that Jeremiah Smith could be playing on the defensive side of the ball at safety in this game, right? Yes. And Yeah. We, we've seen that. Put asked. him at punt. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're putting him, they're putting him at punt and Turner, right? And and listen, yeah. he's doing some things this year that. We're not expecting Jeremiah Smith to do, especially as the number one receiver. He doesn't really have a lot to prove, right? And, and instead right. of just instead of going the direction of playing it safe, he seems to just be putting it all on the line for a national championship at Shaman Madonna this year. So, yes, there has been talk between the masses, uh, especially from people behind the scenes at Shaman Alvedon about J.J. playing some defensive back. Do I want to see that? Probably not, right? Like, I don't know if that's the best thing to do, putting a guy at defense back that hasn't really played the position because we know that Miami Central is a very good team. And I know you want to put your best 11 players in the field, but you also don't want to put somebody out there that doesn't know what they're doing. And you give Miami Central an opportunity based off doing something cute on the day of a game that hasn't worked for you up until this point. They have absolutely beaten everybody to death. (laughs) <laughs> on their schedule through five games, right? Like Heritage, it, was a, it wasn't It was close at the beginning. Yes, Heritage made things interesting at the end, but if they really wanted to, if they played a more of a solid game, I think Chaminade was more so beating Chaminade than Heritage beating Chaminade in the second half of that game. So it, if Chaminade just plays Chaminade football and does what they've been doing up until this point, That would be the best recipe for me, for them. That would be the game plan that I would be going after against this Miami Central team that is still one of the top ten teams in the country. So we're going to see. I would not be surprised. Like I said, I would not be surprised to see both those guys play on the defensive side of the ball. and We might see a little bit of it, especially in the fourth quarter, but I hope that they don't just for the sake of the two kids being more offensive players.
0: That's Frank Tucker, ladies and gentlemen, representing the Crib South Florida. Of course, we represent canescounty.com. Make sure you use the promo code MIAMI30 for the first 30 days for free. Also, subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Keynes County. Also, follow us on all social media as well as this podcast on all platforms. That is going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast until the next episode.